Hi, everyone. Welcome again to At the Table with Bishop Sue as we continue to look at uh, the Wesley Covenant Prayer and the lectionary text for this season of Lent. And uh, I'm delighted to have many great preachers. Uh, and we are blessed in North Georgia. We have uh, preachers from every kind of background and every kind of church. And, uh, and you know, part of our, part of our goal was to lift up folks who are good preachers who don't get a lot of exposure. And a lot of us, you know, a lot of folks are just doing this, they're preaching week in and week out, serving their communities faithfully. And one of those is John Tomlin. John uh, is at North Fayette UMC, and he is a part-time local pastor, which we are so dependent on and we celebrate our local pastors and those who are bivocational, those who um, have accepted God's call and really, historically, who have been the backbone of the Methodist movement uh, without uh, preachers who uh, were bivocational or who were part-time or who agreed to serve in different contexts. And, and we're dependent on these folks to uh, maintain our churches and to thrive, help our churches thrive in different areas of the anal conference. So, John, welcome. And thank you for a great sermon. I'm, I'm excited for folks to hear it. But tell us how you, you know, how God got you here. Uh, that's always an interesting story, and, and it helps. Uh, I had a preaching class in seminary, and uh, we had a cohort of like 15 people. And the first thing that the professor asked, it, asked us to do was tell our call stories, preach our call stories. And that was the best thing ever, because when we got around to preaching, people knew where we were coming from. People knew what our backgrounds were. And it was a really uh, close-knit and... Um, uh, wonderful way to learn because a preacher never comes cold to a text. You bring your background, you bring your gifts, you bring your history. So tell us about how you got here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, having me and uh, giving me this honor to, to preach. Uh, I have a degree in mining and minerals engineering. I'm probably the only <laughs> clergy in the North Georgia Conference with a degree in mining and minerals engineering. I'm not for sure on that, but um, probably am. I used to work in rock quarries, and then I went to work for the railroad. For 15 years, I built railroads. I was in their engineering department. And one of my responsibilities uh, there was um, I would be dispatched to disasters. Ooh. I would be dispatched right. to when there were derailments, when right. there were landslides, things like that, help with the investigation, and discovered that one thing you do a whole lot more of when you're out there, as you stand alongside workers who are literally digging through a landslide trying to find their coworker. Mm. You are doing more ministry mm -hmm. than engineering mm -hmm. in many ways. Right. And when you realize that yours is the office on the floor, that when people need to talk about stuff that's not work related, but they've got heavy things on their heart and right. they come to your office and they close the door. Yeah. You were a pastor on the railroad. <laughs> yeah. And one of the hardest decisions when I was debating, do I follow this call into ministry? I, I was, I was, uh, uh, and I'm a product of the, the lay speaking uh, classes yeah, in the North yeah. Georgia Conference. And uh, I was a, a lay speaker for, for, for several years and uh, helping in um, church every Sunday with our contemporary service, uh, almost like an MC kind of thing. Uh -huh. And But it was 
one of my struggles about leaving the railroad and following a call in a ministry was I didn't know who would take over the role that mm -hmm. I was leaving. Yeah. In that, and that that was one of the hardest things about about that transition. But then um, I was I was praying to God, and he, you know, when God speaks in a powerful way, and you've got tears coming out of your your eyes, and unfortunately, it happened while I was trying to drive to work in a rainstorm <laughs> on the interstate. Yeah. It's like you know, ah, don't, don't crash. Um, it was one of those, you know, when it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, God, how, how am I going to uh, provide for my family? How am I mm -hmm. going to um, uh, provide benefits? Uh, all the benefits were through my work. And within two weeks of praying that prayer, uh, my wife had a full-time job with some of the best benefits in Georgia. Wow. And I was like, okay, okay, how am I going <laughs> to afford this? Next thing you know, I get a phone call with a scholarship to Candler. And it's like, okay, I'm going. Yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> and, God um, sometimes be beware when you pray, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but um, my wife, with with her career, um, it is it is one of those things. I am not the one of those local pastors that has the full time other job mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because I'm my other job is you know is my my wife is the primary breadwinner, right? And I support her in her career. Mm -hmm. But then she supports me in this ministry. So it's excellent. It's a, well, it worked out wonderfully well. That's funny, you know, just watching your sermon. Clearly, you have it, it's almost like you missed a calling in broadcast and music, right? Tell us how, how that, uh, because you have those gifts, and how was that manifested in mining? And, you know, <laughs> that's just fascinating. In high school. Mm -hmm. I went to baseball practice. I loved playing baseball rec league growing up. And after one day at baseball practice, I tryouts, I realized I was not meant to play baseball on a higher level. Mm -hmm. And I paused, I, I apologized to the coach for even coming to practice to tryouts. And I said, I won't, I won't waste your time the rest of the week. And he said, I got another job for you. And for the next three years, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome. You know, I was the uh -huh. announcer in the, okay. in the, okay. in the baseball that, stadium. That served you well. Yeah. And I almost went to college for radio and TV broadcasting, but mm -hmm. I felt a call to go into uh, into the sciences and engineering. Nice. So, but I still I don't I don't preach in that voice, but I do pull it out for announcements every right, once in a while. Right. Now, sometimes you preach in that voice, and it's and it's great. I mean, there's a there's a sense of um, engagement that it gives, and uh, and you know the I think there's a, a fearlessness that comes with that, right? Um, that you just kind of are free to do what you want. I mean, I've never heard a baseball announcer who wasn't freed in some way to just kind of go as the spirit led. So um, I, uh, your sermon today is on Genesis 17, and it's the call story of, of Abraham and Sarah and how their names are changed. And the title is What's in a Name? And uh, I, I uh, am looking forward I think you'll enjoy this. He packs a lot into 13 minutes, so listen carefully. And really, uh, as he speaks, think about um, the name we bear and, and how we live into that, because that's the heart of the sermon. And um, so let's listen to that, and then we'll be back with John to follow up. Mm -hmm. 
Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name. I've got a name. Ah, the smooth, silky sounds of the late Jim Croce, as sung by the not-so-smooth, silky sound of my voice, the Reverend Johnny T. Names. Let's talk about names. I've got a name. You've got a name. What's in a name? Let's start off today's sermon by going to Scripture. Join me at Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and be trustworthy. I will make a covenant between us and I will give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face and God said to him, but me, my covenant is with you. You will be the ancestor of many nations. And because I have made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you and kings will come from you. I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you in every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants God after you. God said to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarai, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name will now be Sarah. I will bless her and even give you a son from her. I will bless her so that she will become nations and kings of peoples will come from her. One thing we've gotten away from in our culture is what a name means. More often uh, than not, names are given because they are passed down from someone else. For example, I'm a junior. Or names are given because of how they sound, the consonants, the vowels, the syllables, the stresses of, of, a, of a first name work well with the last name, the family name. What about the middle name? Oh, iambic pentameter, don't let us down, right? You've got all this stuff going on. Do you know, though, where your name comes from? Do you know what your name means? My uh, wife and I, when we were expecting our child, we received a big book of baby names. Had 50,000 names um, inside it, where those names came from, all the variants and variations of those names, what those names mean. For example, the name Jill, as in our current first lady, Jill Biden. It's an abbreviated uh, form of the name Jillian with a J, and it comes from the Latin, and it means youthful. How about Stephen? Stephen with a PH in the middle or the variant with the V in the middle, both come from the Greek and mean crowned. How many of you Stevens out there knew your name implied that you're royalty? Hmm? Uh, and in many cultures, uh, both historically and still today, um, Names were or are given with thought to their meaning. For example, Thomas is a name of Greek and Aramaic origin. It and its feminine form, Thomasina, mean twin. In many places and times, this would have been given to the second child born of a double birth. Many scholars believe the Apostle Thomas was the second born of a set of twins for this reason how he was named. Names. Names are important. Names are part of who we are, part of our identity. Your name is used not just to 
call you to dinner, but also to sign important documents and contracts. What does the president do to make a bill a law? Well, he puts his name on it. What do you do when you accept the terms of a real estate transaction like a house sale? You sign your name. Uh, when you get married, you state your name in your vows, and the ceremony ends when you're bestowed with the title of husband and wife. Yes, names are words, but they carry more significance. What would worship be like without using the words Lord, God, Spirit, Jesus, Emmanuel, Savior? It, it would just be a do, do, do remember me. <laughs> that we consider the many names we have for God as precious is evident in our worship. From the ninth centuries, O come, O come, Emmanuel, to the 1870s, precious name, precious name, oh how sweet, how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. We praise God's holy name. Names have meaning, and this shows up in our worship, hymns, and songs. How about number 123 in the United Methodist Hymnal, 1983's Amy Grant song, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Elyon Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of the name. <laughs> When's the last time you put that one in the order of worship music directors? This last example is important because it uses the name El Shaddai, which is how God identifies God's self in today's scripture passage. The Lord says, I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai means God Almighty. El Shaddai. This name has meaning. Identifying the God we are worshiping by name is important. Let's dig a little deeper, though. How God identifies names God's self is important in this passage in Genesis 17 because we're about to see God go into a special type of contract called a covenant. This is the name that is going on it. The other name in the covenant is Abraham. Abram, who Genesis has been following since the end of chapter 11, is renamed by God here six chapters later. Think about this. Who has the authority to do such a thing, to give someone a new name? This isn't like renaming a stray dog. This is a 99-year-old man. He's had this name for almost a century. Names are bestowed by parents, the original authority figures in our lives. Ever changed your name? Uh, this usually requires recognition of an entity, such as a judge or governmental figure, who has the authority to do so. Women who change their name after marriage know what I'm talking about. When God changes Abram's name, God is both reminding the world of God's place as the ultimate originator of life, the parent of everything, the one who created both Adam and Eve at the beginning of this story, but also... God is reminding the world of God's place as the Almighty, the true Lord of all there is, El Shaddai. Abram means exalted ancestor. The El Shaddai changes it to Abraham, which means ancestor of a multitude. This is part of the covenant. 
where God is saying to Abraham, walk with me and be trustworthy and be blessed. To this 99-year-old man with a wife well past childbearing age who has had no children, God promises to make them ancestors of many nations. Ancestor of a multitude. Name sounds like a title, doesn't it? Titles are like names in that they are bestowed. Whether it's husband or wife or king of pop or queen of jazz, uh, the great Bambino, czar Peter the Great, or the godfather of soul, these are titles placed upon people by others. God enters into covenant with Abraham. And when he does so, it's a compact between parties where the names being placed on that contract have meaning. God is about to act, to do something in a mighty and amazing way. And I think God wants the import of what is happening to be carried by the very names of those involved. Abraham, ancestor of a multitude, and Sarah, which means princess. Well, Pastor John, that's interesting and all, but what does all this Old Testament stuff about names and covenants have to do with us even 4,000-ish years later? Well, i got two words for you, Christmas and Easter. Yeah, uh, many generations later, ancestor of a multitude and his wife, Princess, would have a descendant named Mary who would give birth to Jesus, a child called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Merry Christmas. Yeah, and that child would grow up to go to the cross voluntarily to give up his life in order to make a way for each and every person who believes in his death and resurrection to have a forever, eternal relationship with El Shaddai. Happy Easter. The Apostle Paul goes into this very matter at length in his epistles. Look to Romans chapter 4, Galatians chapter 3, if you want some extra reading. But here's a few verses from Galatians 3, 26, 27, and 29. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Through profession of faith and baptism, we enter into a covenant relationship with God. Baptized into Christ Jesus' death and resurrection, we become heirs to the promise. Heirs to what? To covenant relationship with God. So, do we get a new name? Abram got a new name. Sarai got a new name. What about us? What about those who confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised Jesus from the dead? Do we get a new name? Well, look at that bit from Galatians we just read. We are now given the title child of God. We are now God's children. Repeat after me. I'm a child of God. Yeah, I know. You're sitting there in your pajamas on your couch, but say it like you mean it. I am a child of God. How often do you remind yourself of that? How often do you name your relationship to El Shaddai? Children of God, we continue through Lent to prepare 
We prepare to celebrate the promise of life everlasting through the grace extended to us through Jesus Christ on that miraculous Easter Sunday. I hope and pray you can find renewal and inspiration in your identity as a child of God. Renewal that powers your worship. Worship that includes praising the name of your Savior. Precious name, precious name, oh how sweet, how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, precious name, oh how sweet, how sweet. What's in the name? In the name of Jesus, there's life. We celebrate that name and we celebrate the life we are given through it. Thanks for tuning in, friends. God bless. Amen. I really like the image of the uh, baby book with 50,000 names. <laughs> we've all been, th yeah, we've all, we've all been through that. And I don't know about you, but I always am really eager to see, I'm fascinated by what are the most popular names in a year and what gives people you know, I love the name Madison, which is all, you know, how many, how many people do you know who are named Madison? All from that movie Splash, where the mermaid is on Madison Avenue. And that, so uh, you can learn by popular names what, um, what was going on in the culture at that time, right? Madison means good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sue means Lily. I've never been real thrilled with that. That just is not a real, you know thrill. But um, let's talk about, um, oh, the one that I was thinking of is uh, Christopher. You know, Christopher is Christos Pharos, which in Greek means bearer of Christ. So I always, I always think of those poor Christophers who are atheists, right? It's like, yeah, you, sadly, you were named Christ bearer. But uh, I want to come back to that because I think that's all of our name, right? That's where we're moving with this. But, um, you know, you really landed on the importance of our names for identity and for important moments, right? Uh, a real estate closing or, uh, you know, an officiant. Uh, as, a, as a pastor, I've signed many wedding licenses um, that bears witness that I am who I am and that I have performed the role I should pr provide or that uh, on a loan, I am, I am, um, pledging myself and who I am to this. And, uh, you know, I thought, how many times have we uh, have have babies been baptized? And always, I think it's the rituals there. What name shall be given this child? That's a big moment in that ritual because uh, and, you know, I can't help but think of Lion King, right, where if you go back, it's an ancient, an ancient ritual is the naming, right? That, that in all cultures, it's certainly not a Christian tradition. In all cultures, uh, you are named, you are given a name, and that's important. And in a lot of cultures, when you come of age, you're given a different name. Or, you know, um, those, uh, I know so many people who were given nicknames as a child, and then they come of age and they're like, no, I'm really not Bubba anymore. I'm really not Johnny boy. I'm really not, you know, um, uh, peanut or, you know, that, that uh, with age and with responsibility and maturity comes a different name. And I think that 
So this story does resonate, and I appreciated how you got uh, into this. Uh, talk about the names of God. I, you know, I think that's a fascinating, um, and that God's named in different ways in different passages based on an attribute of God. So tell us about God in this passage. Well, it's, um, it's neat to see how God identifies God's self, mm-hmm. El Shaddai. Mm-hmm. And it means God Almighty, you know, because it, it, it's using Lord, the Lord, uh, you know, says, but then this is my name. And, and it's like you think about the, the covenant mm-hmm. and you know, the, I think he wants the, the names on there to be so representative. Right. You know, it's like and, and I don't know. I mean, if he could have chosen another one, what would you know, he yeah, this no, is the one is. he did, you know, <laughs> right, right. And, 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 you know, we go through and then there's so many, many names that, 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 that we use in our worship. And and that's and that's part of the reason I, I, I included so many songs. Yeah. Because, you know, we Methodists, we're singing Methodists. That's right, who we are. Right. right. And one thing that here in this past year, I think a lot of people have really missed is the congregational singing mm-hmm. and how important it is for us to sing our theology together. Right. Right. And, and, and looking forward so much for us to be getting back together in a way that we can sing because e- mm-hmm. even even a lot of churches that have reconvened they're still masked inside social distancing right not singing not the same yeah it's not the same so and it's like how we 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 name god in 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 all the different ways that we do uh it's important and in this passage you know god names himself and it's like okay you know this it, it's so important um, right and it's it's interesting to me even, you know, and, and you sang a lot of the traditional, you know, precious name, all of those. But it's interesting to me in, in the advent of contemporary worship that a lot of the music in contemporary worship is very focused on the names of God. You know, it seems like the songwriters, if you observe a lot of them, really go to some of these Old Testament names and then flesh out their song with that attribute of God so that in the worship experience, many times uh, you'll focus on one name of God or one, which, uh, which I think is valuable and valid that, uh, you know, that God and in the Psalms. And, you know, I hope, I hope folks are praying the Psalms, but uh, I try to pray a Psalm daily, but the Psalms are attuned to different qualities of God. And I need a different quality of God in my life. And nobody needed the almighty God more than Abram, Right. I mean, right. he, I loved how 99, 99 friggin' years old. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I've had this name how long? Are you going to change it? <laughs> and you're going to give me a nation. I mean, the whole thing's so ludicrous that only an almighty God could have thought it up, right? <laughs> right. right. And, and, and Isaac's name yeah, so laughter. reflects all of it. You know, laughter. Yeah, you know, yeah. Laughs. You know. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're a, a woman who's never had a child and you're, you know, and you're nearing a hundred, that's pretty funny, right? <laughs> I love the humor of the Bible, you know, the, the sense of humor that God has. Yep. You're going to have a nation. Trust me. You know, uh, I love, I, I remember my grandmother, uh, she knew every constellation and watching, I wish I could go out and look at the night sky with her again. 
but she always um, would talk about that passage where, you know, God says to Abraham, you'll have, you'll have descendants that are numbering like the stars in the sky. That's a, that's a, that's a big thing. And so uh, God almighty is, I think the reminder to Abram, you're not messing with, you know, you're, you got the, you got the power of the almighty on your side to do this and to, to make this promise and this covenant come true. And, and uh, why would you not want to be in covenant with the almighty? I mean, I've always loved the Jewish uh, address of God, master of the universe, right? Master of the, that kind of sums it up, master of the universe. So Adonai, um, let me see what else. Uh, with the authority to give a new name, I like that too. And, and brilliant turn with the parent image that, you know, who gives the name? The person with the power. Uh, you know, I, I remember when my daughter was about 13, I said, her name's Samantha. I said, do you like your name? She's like, yeah, I'm like, good. Cause that was a big, <laughs> some, some parents use their authority in very strange ways and kind of saddle their kid the rest of their lives. Right. <laughs> I grew up being a junior. Uh -huh. Um, my parents gave me a nickname when I was very, very young and I grew up as J and they spelled it out J A Y. Uh huh. And I went to uh, ROTC at Virginia Tech, which still has uh, a military side of the school. It was once a military school right. like VMI. And you go and you're you're braced up first week in and the cadet first sergeant's going up mm -hmm. and down the hallway and he's calling the roll. And there is one response that you're allowed to give. And that's here, cadet first sergeant. Uh -huh. And he calls out because it's on the paper, Tomlin, John R., and I said, here, Cadet First Sergeant. And from that moment on, I've been John. Wow. My name was yeah, moment, like that. Because it was a pivotal moment in your life. It, was, it really was a new identity. It, it was. Not and there parents. was no yeah. other proper response I could have given. I exactly. couldn't say, well, actually, it's J, Cadet First Sergeant, but you spell it. No, that was not acceptable. So Yeah, yeah. And, the, well, and as a junior, too, I think most of the juniors I've known, um, you're, you're bearing your father's name, and there really is a sense of um, his character and his, um, you know, it, it reflects on him directly. I've always thought that there's a special sense of that with juniors, and even more so with God, right? If God names you, then it reflects even more who you are. And so uh, a lot of times um, the names that God gives are, um, are uh, better, right? God sees in you more than you are. God sees in you. And how you live and act reflects God, I think, is when God names you. And so in baptism, I think that's a really big part of it, that this name is given this child along with the waters of baptism and, and God will shape uh, and, and make this child's name bear God, uh, not as literally as Christopher, but in, in many ways. Um, now let's move on to covenant because uh, that is where all this leads, right? Uh, and um, I love your point. We wouldn't have Christmas and Easter without this covenant, right? That all of this uh, led to um, this is the beginning. This is part of the story. And I really do think that um, baptism makes you part of the story. You're, you know, that, that we 
that we as Christians have a new identity, but we're part of an age old story that began here. And how huge is that? So talk to me about um, what impressed you about the covenant and, and what struck you um, as important about that? Because we, we, we're leading to this covenant prayer. So why, you know, the power of the covenant? The, um, <clears throat> the line that I like in the Wesleyan covenant prayer is the one right before, so be it. Mm-hmm. Um, thou art mine and I am thine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are, you know, I is one of the names we have, you know, for ourselves. Right. But it's, 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 it's so weighty. Mm. And, and something that um, Reverend Blair Boyd Zant talked about last week mm-hmm. is about um, how uh, when God is, is serious, God repeats God's self. Mm-hmm. And um, God repeats God's self several times in this passage in Genesis 17, right? He is putting a lot of weight mm-hmm. on this covenant mm-hmm. and repeating the covenant prayer. You know, this is, this is us putting weight right back on it. Right. Um, as, as we are saying, yes, this is, this is, this is how it, it is. Uh, another thing uh, that came up, um, was the uh, the part about in a pre, one of the previous discussions was was surrender? We we've forgotten how to surrender in yeah. in so many ways and in our in our society we're we're a win at all cost mm-hmm. people no surrender and right and in and so in the, the previous discussions lead up to this is that there is this, this important surrender part of it mm-hmm. that 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 we accept this arrangement. And, and, you know, so we talk about the, this, this covenant, this important weighty covenant is like, yes, God, I mm-hmm. surrendered to that. Um, but embracing that because of that, we have this new name. Yeah. Child of God. And, and, and we think of, you know, Abraham, king of surrender, right? Uh, surrendering to a vision of his life that he couldn't even imagine. I mean, really, that's unimaginable. And how many times do we find ourselves years later having lived into a future that we couldn't have imagined that only God had, whether good or ill? I mean, sometimes God puts you in, in challenging, but, but uh, you're living out your part of the story that began with Abraham. And I also appreciate, you know, that we move in after this, com- where Abraham surrenders his home. He surrenders all that's familiar and goes. And I think that um, that's a word we need to hear, right? We're so built up into security. I mean, you did that, um, you know, entered into a whole new phase of life. Uh, I think we are so reluctant to do that out of fear, out of comfort, out of familiar. And God moves Abraham and Sarah into complete unfamiliar territory as God does to the people of Israel when they wander in the desert, as God does to Jesus in the wilderness. I mean, that this is part of the new identity, right? That to be part of covenant, you're given a new name, you're given new identity, you're given a new vision for the future, and you're given a new part in the story. And that's plenty, gracious plenty for us to just ponder 
in the week to come. So as we look at the week to come, um, what, uh, what phrase or what breath prayer or what should we take from this to carry with us each day? Thou art mine, I am thine, a child of God. Mm. And what a blessing it is to be a child of God and to have a new identity and to know that with uh, that become, you know, I am related to every other child of God and we are all carrying out a story of new creation and resurrection and redemption and that's what Lent's about, right? The, the struggling with identity, wandering in the wilderness, uh, reclaiming that identity, reclaiming uh, uh, God's vision for the future, and then celebrating on Easter the resurrection power that enables us to live into it. So, John, thank you so much for a great sermon. I appreciate it. And I pray that you have a blessed Lent and a wonderful Easter. And thank you for your work at North Fayette and your, uh, your willingness to follow God's call into uncharted territory. Blessings on you, my friend. Thank you, Bishop. And thank you for your leadership uh, through uh, this, this tumultuous last year. <laughs> and uh, Definitely. Yeah. Bless oh. you in your ministry. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. The Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes. Music is by Chuck Bell. Thank you, and I look forward to the next time we are together. <laughs>